uh, Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a uh, Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian con- I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants. And the way they were able to reach out and uh, steal the election. On July 15, about two weeks from now, Macedonians will vote for a new parliament and prime minister. In the midst of the current campaigning, the coronavirus rages on. Over 300 Macedonians have now died from the virus, with thousands more infected, and the numbers continue to go up. Macedonia has one of the highest rates per million citizens in the region, currently at around 150 deaths per million. As a result, while the EU opens up to travelers, Macedonians will not be allowed in the EU. In the midst of the campaign, the scandals continue, too numerous to list in this opening monologue. The current government, ostensibly led by Zoran Zaev and his party, which Euronews in a story today called, quote, the North Macedonian Social Democratic League, unquote, continues to ignore the scandals, the raging virus, and the weakening economy. And if all that was not enough, the government of Macedonia adopted a, quote, state of crisis, unquote, on Tuesday, June 30, and lasting for 30 days, owing to the increasing illegal immigrant crisis. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the middle of Tucson, Arizona. And this is Fetan Sulemanov calling in from Skopje, Macedonia. You know, that's kind of um, in, in the world of chaos swirling around us in the United States and Macedonia and Europe, around the world. We didn't add any um, uh, uh, descriptions there, you know, talking about where I'm coming from, or where you're coming from, which we've been doing over the past couple of months. So I, th- I think that's kind of re- refreshing, Sveten. Or, or maybe we just got used to the fact that, you know, nothing works, everything is collapsing. I mean, when the locusts come or, you know, the next plague, I'll make sure to mention it. But currently we're still on the on the last uh, updated plague and uh, uh, that's still ongoing. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, I've been talking about the fires here, which are at least half under control now, which is good mm-hmm. news. Um we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, the last day of June 2020, Tuesday, June 30. Uh, as I mentioned, the elections are on July 15, so this podcast, episode 77, will drop tomorrow, Wednesday, July 1. Uh, two weeks, elections, coronavirus, scandals, mm. let's talk. <laughs> uh, I see that um, that uh, Zayev and Miskowski had a debate on uh, TV tonight there. How'd that go? Yeah, I just concluded that I was pretty nervous throughout, uh, and you know, his usual bluster and, uh, you know, low-brow approach. Miskowski was trying to be, like, professorial and uh, above it all, and he thinks he's going to, that's going to do him well with the voters who are getting sick of that. Or, you know, that's just the way the person is. I mean, Miskowski is in a different class, obviously, from Zaev. Uh, one interesting thing Zayev threw out was that he said that, uh, you know, we're going to win, we're going to have, like, 
55 seats, you're going to have 48 Vemara. And uh, now, uh, currently, Zayef is uh, campaigning against Dewey um, for the Albanian vote, but in a strange way in which, you know, Dewey have obviously outflanked him from the Albanian nationalist right, because they're Albanians and Zayef still isn't. Uh, and they said, we want an Albanian member of parliament. So this obviously hurts Zayef with ethnic Albanians. So he's now... Um, He's saying one thing to ethnic Albanian voters in, when he speaks in, you know, in Albanian TV stations, but to Macedonians, he's now blustering, uh, you know, against Dui, trying to drum up support among Macedonians against Dui, uh, even though you know he gave up everything and uh, you know and the family farm uh, over the past three years, and so now he said, uh, "I'm going to win, but if I'm like six members of parliament short." You, Vimero, should give me six members of parliament so I can form a government so I'm not blackmailed by Dewey. I will still have Dewey on board or some other Albanian party, but, uh, you know, you prop me up so we Macedonians stick together, you know. And then he says, if uh, uh, you win, or, or you know, he, he made it very complicated, but he, he said, and I might even give you, Mitskovsky, uh, 13 seats, which you will lack if you win 48, and... You form a government and I will help you not get blackmailed by Dewey. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange comment, but you know, it's usually Gruevsky said it as well when uh, Zaf was pushing the Tirana platform. He would say, okay, so we're not blackmailed by Albanians into name change, into changing the constitution or the structure of the country into binational. Let's, you know, I'm going to support a minority SDSM government. You just reject the Tirana platform and Zayaf rejected this. So usually the losing side sometimes has made this uh, proposition in the past or the side which feels it won't be able to form a government. So basically Zayaf made this to Mitskovsky. It is, you know, um, it's going to be received well, I suppose, by some Macedonians who are asking, you know, whenever we have elections, we have this question, why can't we Macedonians get along? But it's also, in reality, it's usually made by the losing side. And uh, if Zayaf loses, he's going to say, OK, I will give you my members of parliament and I will prop you up. But in exchange, you know, grant me immunity from prosecution and stuff like that. And Mitskovsky basically said, I'm going to take your members of parliament anyway, because, uh, you know, many will not, especially in the ethnic minorities, the Roma, the Serbs, the Turks, etc., they're not going to want to stick uh, to stay on the sinking ship if you lose. So I will get them anyway. You know, I, I don't have, I don't need to ask for your permission. So this was the big exchange. That's that's a very good summary. Um, Zayev sounds like a desperate man. I think he is a desperate man, owing to uh, a whole host of issues. Um, it is interesting that uh, that he's he's playing the, uh, the quote-unquote Macedonian unity card there, as you talk about. Yeah, um, sure. When, in fact... He already, as you said, gave away the farm. He gave away everything with uh, the Toronto platform, um, the, the Prespa agreement, the agreement with Bulgaria, etc. Uh, that that, um, that uh, ship has left the uh, train station, to mix my metaphors. Um, and, and so, you know, at that point, what does it matter? Um, yeah. He's just... 
showing through those comments and, and through those statements that he is just desperate to cling to power, uh, which I guess is not surprising. Um, I did notice that you mentioned that the that Dewey is campaigning uh, for a uh, ethnic Albanian prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a in a in a free and fair election. If the majority of Macedonians, Macedonian citizens voted for a uh, Macedonian-Albanian prime minister, that's the way it works. Um, but that's not going to happen, and it won't happen. Uh, so the demand that there be an ethnic Albanian prime minister is, is uh, ridiculous. Um, of course, they're also asking now for a change in the national anthem. And I can't mm-hmm. help but think, um, and I don't want to get too deep into the woods on, uh, or the weeds on, uh, you know, comparing what's going on in Macedonia to what's going on in the United States. But uh, there's a, a push here among the the far left, and even just some what you might call middle of the road leftists, mm-hmm. to uh, change the name of the United States of America, change the flag, <laughs> change the yeah. anthem. Yep. The uh, the current reigning candidate for an anthem uh, change is John Lennon's Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, is not even a good song. Um, yeah. It's just it's a it's a piece of bubblegum. Uh, it, it's meaningless. It's vapid. It's it's uh, it's actually grotesque. It's actually anyway. pretty dangerous. It's not just meaningless. Oh yeah, it's actually yeah. very dangerous. You're right. No, it is. So anyway, but going back to the elections in Macedonia. So um, so Zayev uh, sounds like a desperate man. He is a desperate man, and that is owing a lot to the current situation. Uh, and, you know, as I wrote, I need to mention this, as I wrote in my column last week, why it's time for a Macedonian prime minister, because Macedonia hasn't had a Macedonian prime minister the past three and a half years. Um, I think Macedonians will vote on the economy uh, and jobs, the current scandals, uh, the coronavirus and mm-hmm. health in general, education. And while the name issue is of vital importance to Macedonians, um, I wrote in the column that I think it's lower down on the list of priorities for the very simple reason, it's totally understandable, that most Macedonians go through daily life just talking about Macedonia and and seeing the word Macedonia and talking about the Republic of Macedonia. They never see the N-word. They never talk about the N-word. So to them, it doesn't affect them on a daily basis. that is happening outside of Macedonia, and of course with the government of Macedonia, etc., which is a longer-term issue, which we can talk about. But they're going to, you know, Macedonians are going to vote on, you know, pocket push, pocketbook yeah. issues, and taking care of their children, taking care of their families, feeding their families, putting clothes on their backs, sending them to school, taking a vacation once or twice a year. These are just basic issues that most people in a normal democracy would vote on. Uh, and while I don't call Macedonia a normal democracy, owing to the current mm-hmm. state of the government, um, you know, it, it does have a process in place for electing leaders, and that's what we're going through now, and that's what most people are going to vote on. But since we mentioned and talked about the scandals, let's talk about some of those, uh, the scandals that, that uh, we seem to talk about <laughs> every week. Um, you mentioned before on our uh, pre-call uh, Pre-chat call here, we, we talked a little bit about the current one with a um, Montenegrin businessman. Yeah. Is that correct? What's, yeah, what's going uh, just, on there? Just to you know, complete the, your, your previous point, uh, I'll just note that you know, the Greeks have been very quiet on the uh, name change issue. They're not pushing us you know, to put the plaques on the monuments and stuff like that more aggressively. 
and uh, the Bulgarians would have a flare-up every now and then, but often with the more fringe members of parliament. So they would be smart, and you know they're smart, and they're gonna, they're not going to push Zaev uh, at the moment while he has elections because they would embarrass him and weaken him. But then uh, once it's over and they have elections and they want to bluster, they will definitely push us. So yeah, they're keeping quiet at the moment, but uh, that's tactically to to help uh, Zaev. Uh, not because all the issues have gone away, but just as you said, not to surface in our in the public mind here. Uh, the Montenegrin guy, I, I I didn't know about him. I didn't follow closely all the story about uh, the Russian coup in Montenegro, but he was allegedly a big part of this. It was in 2016. We had our own problems at the time. I remember, there were a bunch of arrests of opposition officials in Montenegro before uh, on the day of elections because they were allegedly going to not recognize the outcome of the elections, try to kill or, you know, detain Djukanovic, the, uh, uh, you know, everlasting uh, Montenegrin uh, president for life, and they were going to stop, pre- prevent the country's joining of uh, NATO. This was what, how it was described, I think, in The Guardian, or uh, I think it was laugh- laughably some of the leftist <laughs> newspapers in the West which uncovered the plot. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, so, yeah, apparently this guy uh, called Miodrag Davidovich, uh, he uh, was apparently a, a funder of the opposition in Montenegro, which is pro-Serbian and pro-Russian, uh, opposed NATO membership. Uh, uh, and um, he has, uh, uh, he ran one of the, the one big, uh, one of the two big uh, metal works in Montenegro, the Nikšić steel mill. He was an intelligence officer, so this is how, you know, state security person, so this is how he became a businessman in Montenegro, like usually the way the uh, Balkan oligarchs are created. Uh, recently just survived a, an assassination attempt. Was uh, there were He was part of Djukanovic's posse and then broke ranks with him and uh, was about to be arrested. So he moves between Serbia and Montenegro supports the Serbian church in Montenegro financially, rebuilt the Ostrog monastery, which is the most important monastery in Montenegro. Mm. And in Macedonia, he apparently bought some land near Stip and was going to build like uh, uh, wind and uh, solar or hydro, sorry, wind and hydro plants and some land in Titovo. He, he's also a real estate developer, so he was going to build buildings. And... Um, he gave 300,000 euros to the uh, uh, to Zoran uh, Milevsky, Zoki Kichovets, the oh, one yes. of the one of the persons in the racket scandal who is in every single scandal and he's recorded everything and he's currently cooperating with Zaev. So he's giving Zaev uh, conversations, you know, recordings of his conversations with Mitskovsky. There is not much there, but he's doing this. But apparently, someone else has been recording. Kitschewitz as well. So there was his conversation with uh, this Montenegrin guy who paid 300,000 euros and in exchange he got a meeting with Zaev. Zaev promised to get another of his dodgy characters, the Secretary General of the government, Draghi Rashkovsky, to look into if he can give him a favorable concession to build the, these plants. And once you build them, you get the government uh, has to purchase your electricity at a set price, which is very favorable. So this is a very lucrative business. If you can get the 
the permit if you can be one of the few companies which get the leases mm -hmm. and uh, so it's a corruption scandal um, this guy is very angry on the phone with Kichovets he says I met with Zaev and nothing came out of it you did not approve my request uh, and the Kichovets says okay let's organize another meeting and the Montenegrin guy says no he's going to extort money from me again he's going to ask me to pay for his stupid referendum campaign so apparently Zaev was asking money from businessmen uh, who want to get a government contract to pay money to him and he was using the name change referendum in 2018 as an excuse he would say i need money to buy voters so they support the name change and we join nato so on one hand the businessman didn't want to give money given more give more money to zav because he obviously figured that zav is not going to be true to, to his word he probably didn't want to fund this campaign either, you know, being a, you know, presented as a pro-Russian businessman to fund something that will end up uh, with Macedonia joining NATO. But, you know, the most interesting part is that Zav was willing to take money from uh, the person who, a lot in the media here in Macedonia at the time, in the pro-Zav media said, this is the evidence of the Russian collusion we've been talking about. We tried to say Vimera was Russian, was colluding with Russia, nobody believed us, but you see in Montenegro they're really colluding. <laughs> so Zaev was willing to take money from the person <laughs> funding the, 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 the Russian <laughs> collusion in the region, wow. which is, this is the, why the scandal is so damaging for, for Zaev. He was willing to allow Russian interests into Macedonia just so he would get his own cut in the whole deal. Wow. And that just broke today, yes? Uh, but two days ago, I think. I mean, the today news. was uh, yeah, but the, news, yeah. the first time the, the Montenegrin pro-Russian, pro-Serbian guy responded and he said, well, I wouldn't call it a bribe. It was more like a consulting fee service for <laughs> facilitation of yes. a major investment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's ironic in many different ways. Um, I don't think we've, and today, again, we're recording this on Tuesday, so we uh, we missed a lot of the Dan Donchev stuff from last week, mm. uh, from our last podcast. Uh, he uh, was accused of, actually, there were some, some videos of him actually uh, taking money from uh, somebody yep. across the table, putting it into a satchel, a bag, uh, and then he said he was going to address that issue and basically came out and denied everything and, um, and said that uh, this is a political uh, witch hunt against him. Uh, what else can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was a dialysis company which had a contract, was providing the services. So then, then Donchev was using his power to approve payment for the services uh, timely or, you know, a little late or a lot late or, you know, extremely yeah. late right and obviously you can't sue the government uh, healthcare provider because if you do then they're just they'll just cancel your contract once it's ex it expires they'll make sure you don't get it again so this is why many companies private companies who work with the government are very reluctant to sue the government so don't show was demanding the bribes just to you know pay the company for the services it provided mm -hmm. and also once the company said okay screw this we're getting out of here they wanted to sell to a major Swedish company 
which they believed could not be bullied around. Donchev tried to prevent this, force uh, the dialysis provider to, uh, you know, to be sold to an Albanian company, which was apparently close to him. And once this failed, he wanted a cut of the money. So this is how he operated. But the interesting part in the recordings which surfaced was that the company to protect itself, they hired uh, Zoran Zaev's lawyer, um, Medarsky. Mm. So basically, Donchev is fuming on the phone. He says, I'm sending the police on these people. I want to, uh, you know, pressure them. I want to, you know, tighten the screws on them. But they got Medarsky to represent them. So now I'm going to Zaev with my end of the story. And Medarsky is going to Zaev with his, you know, protecting this company. And we are now fighting over, uh, you know, over Zaev, who would get Zaev's ear. So we can, you know, who would get the influence through Zaev so he can approve you know, a police raid, and he says, I got Zaev to approve a police raid against them, to pressure them, but then Medarsky is trying to sabotage me. So this is how, you know, Zaev's uh, people, the people around him are fighting each other to, you know, who would extort, uh, you know, they're, they're playing a good cup, bad cup routine with, with companies. They want to, you, you want a government contract, you know, in one case, uh, in one instance, you donate to Zaev for the referendum I'm making, quotation marks. <laughs> in the other case, you want the government contract, well, you know, you want to keep your government contract, well, you're going to either have to give money to Zav's lawyer or to Zav's childhood friend and major healthcare director, Dan Donchev, and... Former. This, you know, yeah, <laughs> this is where your profits go. So, uh, Donchev was, he was questioned, uh, shortly afterwards, the uh, the police actually does not uh, run the prosecution, but they can gather evidence based on publicly available information. So they had Donchev for questioning, then they had Mitskovsky for questioning, hmm. and for a while I was not sure whether this is a revenge, you know, arrest of Mitskovsky. Mitskovsky said, "I'm not coming." He sent a lawyer. It's because this of this ridiculous uh, moment when uh, you know. Essentially, is this some sent the police, the riot police, in a restaurant while Mitskovsky was having lunch, allegedly because he was sitting at the wrong corner of the restaurant and was a coronavirus risk. Obviously, you know, propaganda <laughs> attack. But then it turned out, you know, I'm having a feeling that it's more like um, he's being questioned over his major scandal, which is you know, a big nothing. But then the interior minister, Naked Shulev, immediately afterwards said, we're going to continue doing this. So he basically implied that he's going to get Zaev. Uh, so very likely that Zaev is going to be not prepped, walked, but he's going to be invited you know, nicely into a police station for a serious crime, unlike Mitskovsky, but more like Donchev, because he's being mentioned in the Donchev recording in this Davidovich Montenegrin businessman recording. Right. So there's much more tangible stuff there. So it's very likely that before the elections, Zaev is going to be invited to a police station. He's going to refuse to go there. Well, he's going to be invited again more sternly. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But it's, uh, you know, and, and we're also waiting for new recordings to drop. Mitskovsky was cryptic. Uh, <laughs> During the debate today, he said, so you, you know this lawyer, one of the lawyers who was very corrupt in the racket scandal, Zaev says no. So Mitskovsky made sure to ask him again, well, are you sure you don't know him? 
So, which, you know, tells me that by the time this podcast drops, we'll probably have yes. footage of Zaf with the lawyer or, yeah. or something, something like that. So there's going to be a lot, I mean, more of this, obviously, to come. I expect, you know, based on experience. <laughs> well, of course, and it's and um, my goodness, um, you know, questioning Miskolski for for sitting in the wrong part of a restaurant uh, versus Dan Donchev for trying to extort uh, millions uh, and all of the other scandals, which leads me to to ask, and I know I, I saw something just recently in the media on um, the so-called colorful revolutionaries. Uh, we know mm -hmm. that Zayev has privately. Um, uh, basically told his friends that the so-called colorful revolutionaries were his in his pocket, mm. uh, that essentially they're fools. Um, of course, we know that they're fools because they're colorful revolutionaries. Um, but uh, has there been, and, and we've talked about this over the years, how they've uh, they championed the, um, the, uh, the so-called revolution that brought Zayev to power, they championed the name change, uh, have they, during this election season, have the colorful, so-called colorful revolutionaries been visible, uh, active, talkative? What's their, uh, where are they in this whole thing? No, no, they're so thoroughly humiliated after Katitsayanova and <laughs> the scandals and Z you know, just for supporting Zaya, for yeah. taking government jobs and uh, perks. Uh, but yeah, the latest ephemeris uh, campaigning. I, I don't really like this, but I guess this is how you win. Uh, you know, in the downtown Skopje district, which has a lot of these urban types, which are we see now in, you know, <laughs> toppling statues in the U.S. as well, and trying to erase your history as well. Um, so Vimmer is running a former colorful revolutionary who quickly left the movement, Gordana Silanovska, who oh, right. was the presidential yep. candidate. So, you know, this is Vimeras, you know, outreach to these people. And uh, some of the leaks, which are, you know, obviously coordinated through Vimera. Uh, now we have another one in which Saf is disparaging the colored revolution, says, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I was going to, I'll have everybody in them, shuto uh, in irogato, that means, uh, uh, you know, those with the horns and those with, who are lame and crippled. It means like all, even the, the worst, the refuse of them. Mm. I'm going to bring them in my coalition and then I'm going to exploitive their mothers. Lovely. So he means I'm, the, the fact that they're with me, I'm going to basically corrupt them. They're going to, they will not be a, a, an independent movement. I will co-opt them. Uh, you know, he's joking, he's mocking their percentages, you know, people, there was apparently some poll. How do you support, is the SML or the colored revolution? And like 5% said, you know, colored revolution over SDSM. So he's mocking them on this. So Vimmer is obviously campaigning to at least discourage them from voting, if not, maybe even possibly even vote for Vimmer. They also have two other options they can vote for, uh, Levitsa and Tvoya. One is uh, far left, but more nationalist party, which would apparently, you know, if they win seats, side with Vimero. The other is literally an offshoot of SDSM, which, uh, you know, if they win seats in parliament, which is less likely, they will side with SDSM again. So basically the colored revolution people are now spoiled for choice. They can sit it out, they can vote Vimero, SDSM, Levitsa, Tvoya, whichever flavor they want. Uh, you know, the delicate urban flowers we have here. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, yeah, basically Vimera is the leaks which are coming out are you know showing Zayef as corrupt, showing Zayef as willing to go to bed with Russia, obviously a signal mm. to the United States that once you have hired as your subcontractor here a person who is willing to sell his own nation down the river, it's a very short step for him to also sell the allegiance to NATO and the Western alliance and, you know, what, what remains of the West. <laughs> you know, he will side with Russia tomorrow for a few dollars more once, you know, you stop paying him. You know, this is the message of the Davidovich recording. This person has obviously zero principle and scruples and um, he will abandon you at the drop of the hat. Uh, and uh, another message is, yeah, to... He's corrupt, he's untrustworthy, and uh, you all on the left, the idealistic left, have been idiots to to ever support him, or Katitsayanov. Right, and uh, we also know from, uh, from Zayev's past uh, being pranked by the, uh, the two Russian, famous Russian pranksters, uh, that uh, he is more than willing to hand out personal cell phone numbers of leaders that he knows, <laughs> which yeah. could include, you know, a lot of the NATO officials and whatnot. Um, Going back to the, uh, the the colorful revolutionaries, there it's it's just just a, a side a, a side comment. Um, it's fascinating to me how y your colorful revolutionaries and our current mm. crop of uh, ignorant uh, miscreants and punks, majority uh, you know the, the the two of them that were just uh, filmed uh, having um, doused a statue of George Washington with mm. red paint. Um, you know, they all have man, the guys at least, all have man buns, and I don't quite understand that. It's the, the one defining characteristic of, of these revolutionaries around the world, the, the, the guys at least, they're thin, they're white, and they have man buns. And, um, <laughs> you know, they've, they've never changed a tire on a car before. They wouldn't yeah. know how to drive a manual transmission. Uh, they're, they're just, I mean... In every sense of the word, losers. Uh, yeah. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what your colorful revolutionaries do in this upcoming election, if they'll even go out to vote. Uh, and speaking of that, um, so we have the coronavirus raging, mm. as uh, we talked about in the opening monologue that's still going on. You know, what is that going to do in terms of voter turnout? I see uh, that Miskowski's father was just diagnosed with COVID, or was it his mother? Yeah. Um, Both his, of them. Both. His mother was previously, his father was now. I see yeah. our friend Antonio Milosovsky is in the hospital Antonio now. is now in the hospital. Not, he says, I'm fine, not yeah. some fever, not difficulties breathing, but uh, yeah. his, his mother is a doctor and she was diagnosed mm. uh, I mean, with COVID. Yeah, and, and we've seen, um, uh, you know, the mayor of Gumanovo, uh, uh, Zakiri, the vice president of Citizen, uh, and his whole yeah. family had been diagnosed. We're in the hospital. I, uh, I assume they're out of hospital now. Uh, yeah, they're out. Good. Yeah. Uh, good. He had some testy message like, you know, I'm going to disappoint those who were hoping I was going to die, blah, blah. No, like we, we are on record. We wished him and we don't wish anybody uh, to uh, suffer yeah. through this. We wished him and his family well and we're glad he's out of the hospital. Uh, but... Nevertheless, the the virus, the, the fear of the virus, uh, is going to definitely have an impact on voter turnout. Uh, I see that the election commission put put forward the 
the uh, voter list of some 1.8 million voters, which of course we know is all off, but Macedonia <laughs> hasn't had a census since 2002, nearly two decades. Um, yeah. And uh, an elections on a Wednesday, again, which we talked about last week, which is just odd. You know, normally elections in Macedonia, elections in Europe are on, held on Sundays. Uh, I assume that the government will, will give people time off to vote, assuming they want to vote. Um, and then there's the uh, the uh, International Monitoring Mission, oh dear, oh dear. Um, mm. I don't know if they're going to have the sh how many short-term uh, observers they're going to have in there or not. I don't know if we've seen like anything. Seven about or eight, or I don't know if short-term. I thought those are the long-term, long-term or seven or eight. I don't know about the short-term. Yeah, yeah, it's a joke. Not it's much. Going to be a joke. Uh, so, uh, turnout. It'll be low. Mm, we had the Serbs vote. It was not that low, especially considering that the opposition boycotted, you know, half of the opposition boycotted the elections. So the capital, you know, their colored revolutionary urban delicate flowers, they didn't vote. Belgrade voted at 35%. Mm. But the rest of the country voted, okay, I think they cracked 50%. Wow. Which under these circumstances, you know, if the opposition hadn't boycotted, yeah. they would have been over six. It was completely no, a no contest vote. Mm -hmm. So ours is obviously very going to be very, you know, narrow. Uh, so even too narrow for my liking. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think there is going to be a turnout. I think the polls voted now and I... I I think they also had like a solid turnout, not the best, but it was it was not a disaster. It was not like twenty percent. So uh, hmm. we'll see what the Albanians do. At the, the way things stand, they can fly into Macedonia, but they can't get this back. This is a big deal for yeah. They, then they can't come. Back. So I don't know if they'll actually do that because they're earning money outside of Macedonia. So why would they? Yeah, yeah. Why would they give up that <laughs> position? That's a very good point. Why would they give up? their earning potential to fly into Macedonia to be mm. stuck. Uh, now that's something that It could watching. change by the election day, but uh, yeah. the way things stand right no, now, the, no. you, you wouldn't want to plan for... Uh, and, and usually Macedonians would have low turnout in July, August because of vacation. Except so nobody. Albanians would want... Albanians usually wanted summer elections because the, their diaspora thinks that, you know, vacation constitutes going to their villages and buying yourself a bride uh, and shooting <laughs> Kalashnikovs into the air, while Macedonians would go to Greece for, you know, proper vacation. Yeah. But now we are we can't go to Greece and Albanians can't come here. So it's a weird situation. But ultimately, you know, without OSC observers and even with them, you know, Zaf could just, you know, we could have SDSM and Dewey fighting to who would staff more ballots into the Albanian villages, again, getting them to 90% turnout. And it's not excluded, unless they're feigning all this fight between them just to score, you know, to build up their reputation. If, if they are actually, you know, in an existential fight, uh, we had this before in 2008, we had Albanian parties uh, turn, you know, turn machine guns on each other. Yeah. And SDSM is now a de facto Albanian party a contender. They could actually, you know, have a serious confrontation if uh, they both want to stuff ballots in the Albanian districts with, uh, you know, if the diaspora doesn't come and turn out their, you know, Albanian villages 20%. They really could, you know, start shooting at each other. 
Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Euronews clarified what the party of Zoran Zayev is called in the <laughs> article today. It's the, uh, what was it, the, uh, let's see, the a North, North Macedonian, Macedonian Social Democratic, Democratic League, League, which is fascinating because it's yeah, a yeah. mishmash of, um, of, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, <laughs> so, but, uh, but to, to be clear, yeah. the, the officially it's Sudasam, which of, before 1991 was the League of Communists of Macedonia. So I think that's mm. where they got the word league in that title. Um, but um, but going again, going back to the uh, the issue of logistics and voting and whatnot, um, you mentioned that Macedonians aren't really going on vacation, uh, especially not to Greece right now. You know, the last time I remember, and again, this is point of personal pride, if I might, um, that I've forgotten more than most of the so-called experts will ever know about Macedonia. Mm. And of course, I do remember the the only time in, that I think in Macedonia's history as an independent nation state that there have been July elections was July 4, uh, mm -hmm. uh, 19, uh, 2006. Um, and so that's the only July election I can remember. Uh, there might have mm -hmm. been some in the early 90s before I got there, but um, and I don't remember what well, the turnout so. was on, on, in those elections. And that's when... That's when Vumro uh, came back into yeah. power after having been in power from 98 to 2002. And yeah. then Citizen came back 2002, 2006. Uh, so anyway. Well, uh, we got two weeks between now and then. We'll follow the elections. We've kind of exhausted the, uh, you know, the upcoming elections, the scandals, the coronavirus, etc. Um, let's kind of pivot a little bit uh, to other Macedonia-related issues. This is the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast, after all, uh, and look at um, a couple of things that happened outside of Macedonia. First, we had the um, elections, the primary elections in the state of New York, and um, yeah. Elliot Engel, uh, 31 years in the United <laughs> States Congress, really uh, an institutional part of you know Team Albania, uh, and the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, faced a primary challenge. He is down big time. They're still counting votes mm. due to the coronavirus. They had a lot of mail-in ballots coming in. He's down big time to uh, basically a um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez type of uh, challenger, far left. Uh, but anyway, that's going to hurt Team Albania. And then, not too far away from him in New York, is Carolyn Maloney, who is part of Team Greece. <laughs> and she's been in Congress mm. forever, and her challenger... Uh, I don't know as much about her challenger, but she's down. They're still waiting for the votes to come in. Next time we record a podcast, we'll know whether or not Elliot Engel and Carolyn Maloney um, are still going to be in the Congress uh, cheering on uh, Albania and Greece. Closer to home, we had uh, the president of Kosovo, Hashim Thaci, was uh, he wasn't indicted. He was charged, I think, by the there's and I don't know what the group is called. It's out of the Hague, part of the uh, the, the court there, yeah. that charged him with war crimes, killing a murder of a hundred people way back during the war in in 1999, 98, 99. Uh, so he was about ready to get on a plane and fly to Washington D.C. Uh, to meet with Vucic uh, at the behest of uh, Ambassador uh, Richard Grinnell, um, who is the um, kind of um, a bit uncouth and not very diplomatic, but certainly he has the president's ear, President Trump's ear. 
yep. uh, various positions. I actually don't even know what his current position is within the Trump administration. But anyway. The only diplomat Trump still trusts. Exactly, yeah. So anyway, Grinnell was going to try and bring them together to work out some sort of deal. But uh, after that, uh, Thatchy said no. The whole thing fell apart. Now Thatchy came out with a statement, I think it was yesterday, basically saying that if he is formally indicted, and that won't happen until October, I believe, according to the timeline, then he'll step down. Anyway, all of that throws um, uh, the whole Kosovo-Serbia talks into yeah. um, there's a big question mark hanging over that. But it also, you know, just goes to show you, and, and you know, as I tweeted out, um, I sure wish uh, Ali Ahmeti, oh, I wish Hashim Thashi would go to the Hague and stay, and I wish Ali Ahmeti would join him, because uh, I really get sick and tired of um, this coddling almost, of the uh, Albanian leadership in the region. Uh, it's, it's almost as if they, they present themselves as spotless and clean and saintly and angelic, etc. And, you know, they fought in wars. Uh, it's all very good, but, uh, you know, these are okay victories. But then uh, the way things are going, it's very likely that uh, Biden is going to be the next president. And... Uh, you know the 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 extent to which he was personally involved in oh, right. supporting both the Albanian cause and uh, and especially the Macedonian name change. He was personally invested as vice president. I'm hundred percent sure that the colored revolution couldn't wouldn't happen without his personal pressure and involvement. You have your own Biden stories. So yes. I, all I see all the Kosovar, Bosnian, you know, you know, Muslim Balkan folks so out in support of Biden that they're obvious. I mean, he's demented. He doesn't know what... Non-compassmentos uh, uh, is the uh, position. Latin term. Yeah. So. yeah, but he'll just fill the State Department with... Not that anybody has been purged. I mean, they're all now pr giving lip service to Trump for a few more months, uh, except for Grinnell. But once Biden is president, they're all going to, you know, come out fully in support of uh, whatever the Clinton, Biden... Uh, policy was in the region, which was obviously, uh, as you said, uh, uncritical support for warlords such as uh, Tachi. Even the the charge against him—it's such a joke because it comes twenty years too late. Uh, I mean, there is no obviously doesn't constitute any justice for the people he killed, either yeah. Serbs or Albanians, whatever. It was just used to sabotage to, uh, Grinnell's little event when he thought he's going to resolve the Kosovo uh, issue and for some reason I guess believe that this is going to affect elections in the United States uh, why exactly I don't know do I. and you know even consider let's say Trump is a pro-Serbian president pro-Russian as he was portrayed and at least a break with the this Clintonite policy in the region uh, and even then the Serbs didn't ask for much they, they said give us half a, a city in Kosovo, give us a bunch of villages, maybe one reservoir, which is important there, or the Trepča mine or some portion of both of either. And in exchange, you know, they didn't say so, but it was implied they're going to recognize Kosovo, which is a major give on their part. They would get something like Crimea for, Vucic, for Putin. He can say, okay, I snatched some territory from Kosovo, uh, in exchange for, you know, what was already given away, like their recognition. And even this, 
so they didn't ask give us half of Kosovo. They didn't ask uh, give us the whole of Kosovo under some weird sovereignty deal, withdraw the American recognition of independence of Kosovo, which Trump would, you know, could easily be persuaded to do just, you know, if uh, some, you know, the just, just to spike, uh, just to spite the Clintons. Mm-hmm. They asked for a modest, relatively modest trade uh, and to resolve the issue. And even this was sabotaged, obviously, you know, by deep state people and who were pr- objecting to Grenell's replacement of the government in Kosovo, which was going to block these deals, obviously, you know. People like Palmer, they were not on board with the changing of the government in Kosovo. So even this uh, Serbs didn't get and Trump didn't deliver. And, you know, once Biden is there, it's going to be a complete reversal and uh, business as usual and Albanians are going to dramatically overreach. And, uh, you know, I mean, America could impose sanctions on Serbia, you know, crazy stuff like that. So, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm happy about Engel. I'm very happy that, you know, the left has cultivated minority voters and then increased their numbers to to win over the right. And now that the minorities are no longer minorities right. and they don't don't need people like Engel anymore. And soon, you know, he's Jewish, I think, so it's mm-hmm. not going to be very pleasant for him living in the new New York. But it's a very, you know, interesting development uh, what is happening to the left, and we keep warning SDSM about this, that sooner or later they're not going to be coddled by the Albanians when the Albanians, once the Albanians have. I mean, look what they're doing to us as a minority, imagine, when they reach some parity levels. Uh, but I don't think, you know, they did their, served their role, they did their damage to the region, and uh, uh Unless Trump wins, and even if Trump wins with his lack of control over the diplomatic service, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's 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 another issue we've talked about many times before, and we'll continue to talk about again. Um, but that's for a later time. So um, anyway, we're uh, running a bit long, so why don't we wrap it up now, and um, we'll uh, we'll do probably one more podcast in here between now and the elections. And uh, always, and then obviously an election podcast. An election pod, yes, right. Once the results yes, are in, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, I think that's a full wrap. Yep. Take care with all the fires out there yes. and all the uh, Black Lives Matter protesters and all the plagues we forgot to mention in in full. Yes. At the beginning. But also, um, and I know since you have lived here, and especially since you've lived in Washington, D.C., and you have some affinity mm. for us still, uh, yep. wish uh, our listeners, at least here in the United States, a very happy 4th of July, American Independence Day coming up. Oh, yeah. That's a good note. No, no good place note like, anymore. yeah, there is definitely no place like the That's U.S. Right. For better and recent unfortunately. For worse, but, yeah. All right. <laughs> Words and all. Yep. Good talking to you, Sven. Okay, buddy. You too. Take, Take care. care.